We are on Yivamos Chav Beis Amar Aleph 22A3 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are in the middle of a discussion about Gerim, about converts, and the principle that once uh, someone converts, then halakhically they are no longer viewed as related to their biological family. And that really on a Torah level, fundamentally, it would be permissible for them to marry their relatives. However, there is a rabbinic decree that one is not allowed to marry your relatives, even if both convert. Both of them, when they both convert, they're still not viewed as halachically uh, related to each other. But there is a rabbinic decree that they're not allowed to marry each other. And the Gemara so far gave one reason. We'll see that there are really two different reasons uh, as to why they're not allowed to marry uh, each other. One reason is that we don't want people to say that they are going from a, a stricter position where there's a greater kedusha, a more severe form of sanctity, because when they were non-Jews, there was a prohibition because they were related at the time before they converted. They were viewed as related to their biological family. And then they're going and they're becoming Jewish. And then uh, it's moving on to a state where it's a weaker form of kedusha, a weaker form of sanctity. We don't want people saying that. We don't want the converts saying that, and so therefore we say that whatever is a prohibition from before they converted when they were non-Jews, so then the prohibition continues to exist uh, when they do convert, and therefore there is a prohibition for them uh, to marry their uh, their relatives. And we also pointed out that this is limited just to the prohibitions that exist when they were non-Jews. And since as non-Jews, the the relationships that are rabbinic prohibitions for Jews do not apply to non-Jews. So therefore, when they convert, it should also not apply to them and their uh, immediate family. Those rabbinic prohibitions should not apply to them because they did not apply when they were non-Jews. The second reason, which we'll get to in a few lines, is a very different reason. The, re- the second reason is that uh, Jews will see that uh, this uh, convert who is fully Jewish. Is There's a Jew who's a convert and then there's a Jew who's born as a Jew. And this convert is married to immediate relatives and the Jews are, the Jews who's born, who's born Jewish will think that therefore it is permissible for me too. I could also marry uh, my grandmother or whatever uh, the relationship is which, uh, which is a prohibition for the Jew. And so, and so therefore there's an, a second reason for this rabbinic prohibition to say that uh, they're not allowed to marry their immediate relatives because then uh, people will get confused and think that it is actually permissible. When it is not permissible, the only reason why it's fundamentally per- permissible for the convert is because they're no longer halakhically viewed as related to their biological family. So on that note, the Gemara says as follows, Amr of Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Gerem once we're on the topic of converts and specifically on the topic of that once they convert, they're no longer halakhically related to their relatives, uh, we'll discuss some other issue. And this, just parenthetically, this whole discussion and this, this principle that they're no longer related to their relatives really requires a greater analysis, as we mentioned in the last recording. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to analyze this further. Uh, but the Gemara says as follows: Achen minaim lo yaidu v'imheidu edus and edus achen minaav meidin lechatzila. Rav Nachman is of the opinion. We'll see that this is a matter of dispute. This is a machlokas. 
Uh, but Rav Nachman is of the opinion that that this also impacts uh, testimony. There is a law, a Jewish law, that relatives are not allowed to testify either together or or uh, for each other or against each other. Uh, if you have krovim, if you have uh, if family is not allowed to uh, either testify together, whatever the case is, uh, it's it's a it's a Jewish law that they're not allowed to testify. Together or against or for each other, he says. Rav Nachman says that when it comes to somebody who converted, so then if they are brothers, maternal brothers, they are brothers from the mother's side. If they are maternal brothers, uh, so then really they should not testify. Ideally, they should not testify because ideally we say that there still is some sort of relationship, even though they both converted, and halachically they're not viewed as related, but. To, to some degree, they are viewed as related, such that ideally they should not testify. But if they did testify in the end, for some reason they did testify, and in the court system uh, they allowed them to testify, so then that testimony is viewed as valid testimony. Because in the end of the day, fundamentally in the end of the day, they are not related. And so therefore, since they are halakhically not related, it is viewed as a valid testimony. And so even though ideally we say that they should not testify, in the end of the day, if they did testify... So then that is viewed as valid testimony. And he concludes by saying, However, when it comes to brothers from the father's side, for the paternal brothers, so they are allowed to testify. And the reason, even uh, even from the get-go, they're allowed to testify uh, from the very beginning. The court system, even if they knew about it, they would be allowed to testify if they are brothers from the father's side. Again, we're only discussing here cases of converts, people who converted. And the reason to distinguish between paternal brothers and maternal brothers is that when it comes to maternal brothers, in that case, we know for sure that they are brothers. It is with certainty, which we know that they are brothers because they're brothers from the mother's side. However, when, there comes, when it comes to brothers from the father's side, uh, we are not certain that they are brothers because we're not certain that they, that they share the same father. We assume that they share the same father, but it's not with certainty that they share the same father. And so since that itself is questionable, uh, so therefore we say that they are, according to Rav Nachman, they would be allowed to testify uh, from the very beginning. We allow them to testify, and that's the distinction between maternal and paternal brothers. Amemar argues on Rav Nachman, Amemar Amar, He says that no, even, even maternal brothers are allowed to testify uh, from the very beginning, and they're allowed to testify. There's no reason why we shouldn't allow them to testify. Amemar says, argues in Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says that ideally we shouldn't have maternal brothers testify. If they testified, it's acceptable testimony. Amemar says, no, we even, we even allow maternal brothers to testify from the very beginning. It's not a problem. So that's where they argue, Rav Nachman and Amemar, just with regards to maternal brothers, which, whether we allow them to testify from the, from the very beginning. Everyone agrees that the testimony, if they did testify, would be valid testimony. And everyone agrees with regards to paternal brothers that they're allowed to testify. So their whole dispute is about maternal brothers. Okay, that's that discussion. The Gemara now asks, How is testimony different than Arayos? Why is it that when it comes to Arayos, when it comes to uh, illicit relations, when it comes to... uh, cases of incest, we say that there is a rabbinic prohibition for a convert to marry their uh, 
their biological family. But when it comes to testimony, it's viewed, according to both opinions, it's viewed as valid testi- testimony. And it is viewed as valid testimony. Why would we differentiate between the two? And so here the Gemara is going to give an answer. And in this answer, we see the second reason for uh, this rabbinic prohibition when it comes to marrying your immediate biological family. So the Gemara answers, The Gemara answers that when it comes to ages, when it comes to testimony, so that's based off the court system. So that's, that's the, we have judges who are in charge of the court system, and they will decide what is viewed as valid testimony and what is viewed as not valid testimony, and they will not get confused. They won't get confused. They'll understand that this is a person is a convert, and so therefore they're allowed to testify together with their their biological relatives because halakhically it's not viewed as relatives. However, when it comes to marriage, marriage everyone can marry. It, it doesn't. In fact, it doesn't even halakhically speaking, it doesn't even require a rabbi. It just requires two witnesses. It does not require a rabbi halakhically, and so that is not. Uh, taking place within the, it's not necessary for it to take place within the presence of a rabbi. And so once that's the case, people are going to start talking and they're going to say, oh, this person, this convert, this Jewish person married an immediate relative. So then I can also go ahead and marry a, a, a relative and people will get confused. And so therefore, since it's not being officiated halakhically, it's not necessary for it to be officiated by a rabbi. So therefore, people will get confused and then they will also go ahead and marry their relatives. And so therefore, we, we created this rabbinic prohibition to say that it is not allowed. However, when it comes to the court system, that requires judges. And judges do understand the difference between converts who are relatives who are allowed to testify versus someone who's born Jewish. And they're not allowed to testify for uh, when they are relatives. And the, and the reason for the distinction, the last line of the Gemara is, the reason for the distinction is that when it comes to converts, once they convert... They are no longer halakhically viewed as related to their immediate family. Now, one last point before we begin the next Mishnah is that there's an, in fact, there's a discussion. Why is it that a person cannot testify uh, with their relatives? Why can't we have, we, we require two, witness, two witnesses that they cannot be related to each other or they cannot testify for or against the relative? What is the reason behind that? And there are two different reasons that are that are given. One reason is that there's a concern that uh, they're not telling the truth, that since it's a relative, they're not telling the truth, and therefore that we, we made a rule that they're not allowed to testify. The other reason is that it's a, what we call exerzikotsev. We don't really know the reason. It's just a rule. It's part of the rules that we don't know the complete reason behind it. But if you take the first approach, that it's a concern that they, are, that they will lie, so it's, it's, it's a, a question why in this case do we say that they're allowed to testify if at the end of the day, it's still their biological family. They still have a relationship with their biological family. So even if they're not halakhically viewed as related, still we should be concerned that there's that they that they might lie. And so therefore we should make a rule that when it comes to biological family, uh, you shouldn't testify. That's a question which is asked uh, by some of the commentators and it's a question on this Gemara. Apparently from this Gemara it doesn't go based on uh, biological relatives, but really, this rule is based on whether they're halakhically related or not, since they are not halakhically related, so therefore they can testify. Okay, totally new topic. We're beginning a new Mishnah, a new topic within Yevamos. Okay, again, with regards to the mitzvah of Yibam, the mitzvah of Yibam is that if you have a 
a couple, a husband and a wife, and they don't have children, the husband passes away, and they don't have any children, uh, and the husband has a brother, so then there's a mitzvah for the brother and the sister-in-law to do yibam, which is a form of a marriage, but there's a mitzvah for them to do yibam, or if they're not going to be able to do yibam, so then to do chalitza. Chalitza is some form of a divorce. Uh, but something has to take place. And the reason for this uh, seems to be to continue the legacy of that, of that marriage. It's really to continue of, and to make sure that, uh, to try to have children for the next generation that exist from that other, that other relationship. So the Mishnah says as follows. The Mishnah says, Mishi ishlo achmi kol makom, zokek es eshes achav liibam. Two cases of the Mishnah. The first case of the Mishnah is as follows. The first law of the Mishnah is as follows. That uh, when we say that there is a mitzvah of Yibam for the brother, if, there's a, if the deceased brother, uh, husband has a brother, what type of brother is this? So we say if it's any type of brother, any type of brother, we will see in the Gemara that this includes even if the brother is a mamzer. Even if the brother is a mamzer, a mamzer is... Uh, a child who's the product of an illicit relationship, which is a very, uh, which has a very severe punishment of kares, of uh, of an early death. So that child is is a mamzer, and a mamzer is not allowed to marry uh, a, reg- a, a a a Jew unless that other Jew is also a mamzer. Uh, so even if the uh, brother is a mamzer, so then there is some sort of connection. It would require chalitza. They can't do yibam, but they would require chalitza. So any type of brother would have an obligation to do yibum, except, and he's also viewed as a brother with regards to everything. We'll see in the Gemara, what does everything include? But even a mamzer, even if your brother is a mamzer, uh, so then uh, so then you're still related with regards to everything. The Gemara will explain what everything is. The only time that your brother is exempt from yibum or chalitza is if your brother, meaning you share the same, your paternal brothers, but your brother's mother, your father, uh, had relations with a non-Jew. If he had relations with a non-Jew and the mother is not Jewish or is a non-Jewish uh, slave, uh, whatever the case is, if the mother is non-Jewish, so then the, the your brother is also not Jewish and then there is no mitzvah of Yibam. That's case number one. There's a mitzvah of Yibam as long as the deceased husband has a brother, even if the brother is a mamzer, as long as the brother is Jewish, there is this mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza. Law number two. That somebody who has a child, even if their child is a, the Gemara will explain, even if the child is a mamzer, meaning as follows, that a, a, a person um, had some sort of illicit relationship, they had a child from that relationship, so he still has a child, and then he marries somebody, halachically valid, halachically valid marriage, and he passes away. Uh, so then there's no mitzvah of Yibam. Since he already had a child, even if that child were to be a mamzer, he had a child, and so therefore there's an exemption of Yibam. There, we'd only have Yibam if he never had any children. But since he had a child, so therefore there's an exemption from Yibam. Uh, so there is no Yibam. And this child, even if the child would be a mamzer, uh, so then this child would be obligated, he would be he would have to keep the laws of of respecting and honoring one's parents, and therefore, if he hits or if he curses his father, so then he's liable for that, and he's his child with regards to everything. And again, the Gemara will explain what does everything come to include. 
The only time that there's an exception to this where we say that there, there is no violation is if the mother is not Jewish. Again, if the mother is not Jewish, so then these laws do not apply uh, to the father. Since the child is not Jewish, so then, uh, technically speaking, he does not, he's not liable if he hits or if he, excuse me, if he curses his father. So those are the two cases of the mission. Essentially, the brother, as long as the brother is Jewish, even if he's a mamzer, there still is a mitzvah of Yibam. If the child is, as long as the child is Jewish and even if the child is a mamzer, then there no longer is a mitzvah of Yibam because, uh, this, the, the deceased husband had a child. Let's read a few lines in the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows, What is the language of Mikomakum? Any brother, any brother, what, any kind of brother, what is any kind of brother coming to include? And we already explained in the Mishnah it's coming to include a Mamzer. But the Gemara says so explicitly now, It's coming to include a Mamzer. Even if your brother is a Mamzer, so then there still is this connection. It requires Chalitza. They're not allowed to get married because the brother's a Mamzer. They cannot do Yibam, but they should do Chalitza. The Gemara says, Pshita Echavu, why would you think otherwise? It's certainly your brother, a mamzer, even if the child is a mamzer, and even if your brother's a mamzer, in the end of the day, it's your brother. Why would you think otherwise? Why would the Mishnah have to tell us this? So the Gemara says, no, for the following reason. The Gemara says, this is an idea that we had in the past as well. That when we define brother brothers with regards to the, the laws of Yibam, it's based off the brothers of Yaakov. That's how we know that it's specifically paternal brothers. That the mitzvah of Yibam is only when it comes to paternal brothers, that they're related through the father, not if they're related through the mother. Uh, because by Yaakov, the brothers by Yaakov are paternal brothers, and it's based based off paternal brothers. So, so too over here, one might have thought that all of Yaakov's children are kasher. None of them are mamzerim. And so then Soto over here, maybe all of them have to be, the brothers all have to be kosher. Maybe we require them all to be kosher. Kamash Malan, no, the conclusion is, is that no, uh, even if your brother is a mamzer, and it doesn't fit within the, the 12 children of Yaakov, who are not mamzerim, still, as long as, uh, as long as they're Jewish, even if the brother is a mamzer, there still is a mitzvah of Yibam. The Gemara says, but why, why not? Why don't we say that? We should learn from Yaakov that the, the brother cannot be a mamzer. Sigmar answers, no. Sigmar answers that since when it comes to Yibam, which we'll see in tomorrow's recording, that since if the child, if the child would be a mamzer, there's an exemption from Yibam, that it's viewed as a child with regards to Yibam to say that there's an exemption from Yibam because Yibam only exists if there are no children. If the child is a mamzer, it's a child and then there's an exemption of Yibam. So once we know that, so then... We make the connection to say that also if the brother is a mamzer, so then if there were no children and the brother is a mamzer, so then we would say uh, we would say that uh, there is this connection to say that it requires at least chalitza. They can't do you, but it would require chalitza. That is the Gemara. I just want to make uh, two additional points on the Gemara. One point, point number one, is that the Yushami, the Jerusalem Talmud, on this Gemara, on this Mishnah, says also that if you have a child, they discuss if the child is a mamzer, have you, did you fulfill the mitzvah of pruavu? Uh, if there's a mitzvah to procreate, to have children, do you fulfill the mitzvah of pruavu when your child is a mamzer? It's through an illicit relationship. And so the Yerushalmi discusses it. In the end, we paskin that it does. It does fulfill the mitzvah of pruavu. And there's a big discussion on that. How could that be? It's done through an avera, through a sin. How do you fulfill the mitzvah of pruavu? Uh, to procreate when the child is a mamzer. That is a that is a big discussion. And a second interesting discussion that the 
classical commentators, the Rishonim, have on this Gemara is what if the brother is a mummer? A mummer is somebody who not just doesn't keep the Torah, but really uh, is against the Torah and against God, somebody who is, um, is, is specifically not keeping the Torah because they, they are against the Torah. Uh, so then is there a mitzvah of Yibam in such a case? Because it seems from the mission that there would be. In the end of the day, they're still Jewish. They still are definitely Jewish. Uh, but is there uh, is there this mitzvah of yibam if your brother is uh, rebellious against God? And so there are some opinions that say that there is no mitzvah. There wouldn't be a mitzvah of yibam. They would say to do chalitza, but there wouldn't be a mitzvah of yibam. Perhaps because they're not viewed as your brother, or it's not as your brother in the same world. You're living in two different worlds. Uh, and some say because it wouldn't fulfill the mitzvah of lahakim zera to establish the next generation of the previous couple because. This, child, this person who's a mamzer is going to educate, not, not a mamzer, is a mummer, is somebody who's rebellious against God, will educate that child very differently. And so therefore it wouldn't fulfill the mitzvah because they won't be making zera. They won't establish the next generation from that uh, previous relationship. But that itself is also a big discussion, a big interesting discussion from this Gemara. Okay, we'll conclude here and we'll, dis- we'll continue in the next recording.